0: there is such a need for good information around that topic. And like I mentioned, you know, in the last two or so years, we're just seeing a big increase in people wanting to take care of their overall health and well being, including their hearing health. And part of that was the masks that sparked some of that interest. And then some of it is just people wanting to be to be well and be healthy and enjoy their lives, have a better quality of life.
1: Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start, do you remember? Oh now what happened? How did it stop? you're now tuned into the small business origins podcast i love an origin story each week we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation
0: who is he and what's his origin story
1: who started with just an idea and are now making waves i told you this was a good idea this is small business origins Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. You are tuned into our nationwide search for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining us virtually in the studio today is an entrepreneur who's also a doctor who's looking to do just that. I've got Dr. Amy Sorrow joining us. Dr. Amy, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks. And yeah, I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, well, it's an exciting episode because we haven't had someone like yourself on yet. This is, you know, new territory for small business origins. Normally we're talking to usual brick and mortar businesses. Sometimes we throw a 501c3 in there, but today we want to talk to you. You're an audiologist. This is going to be a unique perspective on business and making money for yourself and kind of how you do that stuff. But before we hop into it, we always have to start out with our icebreaker question and our icebreaker question today is if money and time were no object, what would you be doing right now?
0: What would I be doing right now? Well, so lately I've gotten into content writing, which I actually really enjoy. I like writing. I like sharing what I do. And there's just such a need for good information right now. So I suppose I'd probably be writing if I, if I could do anything.
1: Yeah, for me, I mean, podcasting has been... Amazing! So I know podcasting will probably always be a part of my life from here on out, just because it's it's fun. It's a lot like writing, which I don't hate writing, but I don't like reading. So even if it comes to my own material, if you're writing, you've got to read that stuff over and over again. And uh, it's not that I can't, because when I was a kid growing up, I was huge into reading. I mean, it's all I did. But now I think I just kind of like this digital content a little bit more. So I would say it would probably transform into me traveling the world and podcasting from just areas all over the world, because that's one thing that I really enjoy doing with my family is getting out there and seeing what the world has to offer. We live in such a limited space, you know, right here in our own world that we just don't realize how many people are doing things so different than us. And I love and I I truly enjoy trying food of different places, getting, you know, into the culture and figuring out what they like to do. And oftentimes I like to do it, too. So I, I think I'd be traveling.
0: Yeah, I think that sounds like I would probably like to combine that maybe with writing, like maybe if I could, if I had freedom, I would, you know, travel someplace warm, since I live in what's now pretty cold, uh, Michigan. So we're getting some snow and some colder temperatures, you know, some frost. So yeah, maybe I would mix it up a little bit and go someplace warm and sit outside on a patio somewhere and do some writing.
1: Were you born and raised in Michigan?
0: Yes, I was. I grew up in Michigan. I did spend some time in Germany where I taught English abroad in Germany after I got my bachelor's degree. Then I came back to the US a few years ago and went back to school. And then I started in Michigan, but I did my doctoral program in Iowa. So still Midwest. Then I did my residency in Mayo Clinic in Florida. So that was a nice warm change. And now I'm back to Michigan.
1: Yeah, I I need to visit. I've got a lot of family up there. My dad was born in in Lansing, and I still have some family up there today that I've never actually met in person. And I definitely want to see what the real cold and real snow is like because the closest I've been is the snowmageddon that we had down here in the Houston area. And I mean, it was it was awesome, but I just can't imagine what it's like to see real snow that my dad used to tell me about playing in when he was growing up.
0: Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. I can't really imagine. Growing up without snow because it's just been such a part of what I know, but yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's cool. Awesome. Well, before we hop into it, I always have to stop and talk about our sponsors. And today we have a brand new sponsor, OMG Event Co. OMG has you covered when it comes to entertainment for your event. They offer state-of-the-art equipment and customer service that is unmatched. Whether you need a photo booth, DJ, or live streaming for your event, you can get a no-hassle quote from them today. Visit www.omgeventco.com for more information and to request a quote. They'll have you and your guests saying OMG, and like many others, you'll want them at every event that you host. But the reason we're here today, let's get into who Dr. Amy is, what you do, and why it's so different from a regular entrepreneur. And then kind of transition that into exactly what you're doing with some of the stuff we talked about before the show. But I know we kind of already hopped into some of it. You know, you're from Michigan, but let's just talk about your personal story and tell us where you came from and how you got into audiology.
0: Yeah. So, as I mentioned, I did teach English abroad in Germany. And when I came back to the US, I was looking to change kind of my career and go back to school. I originally considered it speech pathology because it's tied closely with teaching. And then I discovered when I was taking some coursework, I discovered audiology. I loved the combination of being able to help someone along with the technology. And I saw one of those videos where they activate a cochlear implant for the first time. I was just amazed at what technology is able to do and how much of a difference that can make in someone's life. So I was just immediately, you know, interested in going that direction. You know, it's closely related to speech pathology, but something a bit different. So then, yeah, I was in Iowa. I did my residency at Mayo. And then I was working in a private clinic there after I graduated. I came back to Michigan recently, and now I work with the veteran population. And alongside that, I also do some content writing. So as a result of the pandemic, there's been growing interest in hearing health care, in particular hearing loss and tinnitus, somewhat related to COVID-19, but also just people became a lot more aware of their hearing status with mask wearing. So when someone's wearing a mask, you know, talking to you behind a plexiglass pane, it's much harder to understand what they're saying. And anybody who has some degree of hearing loss is going to struggle in that situation, perhaps feel more isolated. And so I've been really encouraged by the amount of interest in my profession. I've been enjoying sharing that with other companies that I'm working together with on some content creation and consumer education. And yeah and then I've recently joined the Forbes Health Advisory Board and I'm I'm excited to be working on projects with them as well.
1: So were you saying that it covid doesn't actually have any effects on your hearing or it does?
0: So it is it's an interesting thing to talk about. So right now we don't have any concrete evidence. It's just too new of a topic so we don't have, you know, the research yeah. just yet. However, what we do know is that a virus can cause hearing loss, can also be related to tinnitus. We don't know specifically with COVID-19, but those are certainly certainly can be related. It'll be interesting to see what research shows us in coming years, but I think a lot of the awareness that came out of it, some of it was related to that. People wondering, you know, okay, could my change in hearing be related to this virus? but also just the awareness of it because of the masks. So I think it's kind of the combination of those two things. It just drew a lot of attention, a lot of interest in those topics.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. I never thought about it, but the whole mask thing, there was constantly times where I'm just like, okay, at this point, I'm tired of this. Like, hey, this is what I'm trying to say. It's not something that I actively thought about while I was doing it. But now that you say that, it definitely sheds light on that. But that is just something I hadn't even heard of. With the possibility of it even affecting your hearing, I mean, we hear all of these side effects that people are living with today after having COVID nineteen, and uh, it's just amazing to me how much how much changes and how much we find out when something new is inserted into our daily lives. You know, and I've said from the beginning not getting political about COVID or, or getting into all the stuff we know or don't know about it, but. Just from the beginning, I knew that this was probably something that was going to be around for a long time, if not forever. And so I often said that, you know, we're just going to have to get used to living with this thing. And uh, it's just crazy all the changes that it brings, you know, and I'm sure that we saw those same things with flu when it was introduced, which. God, it's going around like crazy right now. You know, it's it's Black Friday today. Whenever we are recording this episode, we had to miss Thanksgiving yesterday because my kids got diagnosed with the flu and just sick the whole time. So it's been uh, it's been crazy how much we have to learn to live with these things as they come along, for sure. So where exactly? I know you said you studied abroad. You were in England. What college were you attending there? And what kind of classes did you have to take to become an audiologist specifically?
0: So through Central Michigan, I did a semester abroad in Germany. And then I came back, I did a year abroad through a scholarship. And then after I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I went over and I, I moved there for about five years. I was living in Germany.
1: Oh, okay, and, Germany. Yeah, Got it.
0: Yep. And then I was teaching English in companies over there. So I would go in, you know, and let's say like, a company that makes BMW car parts or something, they'd be corresponding with somebody in England or um, in the US, and then they would need to communicate, you know, how things are made or something about their products. And so I would help them with their English skills, which people sometimes wonder, how did you go from that to audiology, but it's all connected to communication. And so I help people communicate now, but just in a different way.
1: No, that that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's uh when you grow up and you start learning, you know, ENT, ear, nose and throat, it's all connected. It all affects each other. And the same thing happens when you start talking about communicating. And I don't know how many people realize, you know, how much your speech is truly tied to what you can hear. And you're right. I have just, you know, dove straight into all of these videos online of the cochlear implants and then it's just so interesting how much hearing ourselves really truly provides us the opportunity to be able to speak well you know because you hear people who are deaf or hard of hearing and when they try to talk i mean obviously it doesn't sound like everyone else that has been hearing from the time that they were born and it's just so amazing how much progress has been made in that space so i can't wait to get into that stuff i i can't imagine where we're even going with that but So you come back here and then is that when you kind of had that transition and figured out, I want to get into audiology or when exactly did that happen?
0: So I came back, I was teaching English for a while at a university. You know, I had a job right when I came back, but it was just very different than what I had been used to doing in Germany where I was going into companies. You know, I did also teach at a couple of universities over there but here it was very dependent on okay we have students coming from outside of the country we don't know you know how, are, how many of them will show up and how many people will have to fill the courses and so i liked doing that but there was just a lot of uncertainty with it and so i was looking for something where i could continue to help people and you know in a helping profession but maybe with a little bit more stability and security and yeah, so that's why I was originally, like I said, thinking speech pathology, and then I, they're sort of closely related fields, I decided to go the audiology route. But I was always interested to in music, and just the hearing portion, and the communication portion, all of that, it just, it really fit for me. And it, it was something that really just interested me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So now that we're talking about you know more of the audiology side and stuff, tell me what you have exactly set up. So I know that when we spoke before getting ready for this podcast, you were telling me that you do have a clinic, but then there's several other things you have your hands in right now. So you know what are those things that you're doing?
0: So right now I work in my clinical full-time job. I am an audiologist that works with veterans. I do mostly Compensation and pension evaluations. I also, you know, speak with them and provide them with some good information about, you know, I'm having some hearing difficulty. What can I do about that? Do I need a hearing aid? That sort of thing. So that's kind of my full time job. But then I also, like I said, I do um, content writing. So I've been working together with one company, for example, Soundly.com. I work with them on consumer education. So I help to educate the public through writing in their blog about you know, what are over-the-counter hearing aids versus what are prescription hearing aids, what are my options, this sort of thing. And I'm really enjoying that because I think there is such a need for good information around that topic. And like I mentioned, you know, in the last two or so years, we're just seeing a big increase in people wanting to take care of their overall health and well-being, including their hearing health. And part of that was the masks that sparked some of that interest. And then some of it is just people wanting to be be well and be healthy and enjoy their lives, have a better quality of life. And like you mentioned, hearing is connected absolutely to communication. We know that hearing loss, for example, is one of the leading modifiable risk factors in cognitive decline, according to the World Health Organization. It's even tied to financial health. So a study from the NIH showed that over a 10 year period, it can actually cost someone $22,000 more in healthcare if they have untreated hearing loss. Wow. Because of Yeah, because of a lot of the trickle down effects, things that you don't think about, but make sense when you, when you think about it. So for example, it's if you go into a doctor's office and you have some hearing difficulty, Most of us remember maybe two or three pieces of information of what the doctor said when you walk away from that appointment. But if you have hearing loss, you can struggle just to pick up the words and then maybe what you're remembering is incorrect information. Oh, do I need to take that medication once a week or is it once a day? You know, things like that, which can have an effect on healthcare costs and, you know, needing more doctor's visits, that sort of thing. So it all ties together. Hearing healthcare is related to overall health and well-being.
1: Yeah. I mean, once again, just kind of like the whole mask thing, it's just something you don't think about until somebody puts it in front of you and says that. On the veteran side, so are you dealing with a lot of the stuff like I constantly see the ads for, you know, 3M hearing protection that didn't work and stuff. Is that the kind of stuff that you're working with when it comes to veterans?
0: I do. Yeah, I do with some of that. So Some of what I do is I work for the VA, you know, I'm sort of a neutral party who's in the middle of that. So I work with a veteran to talk about, you know, their concerns, and then I'm evaluating certain criteria based on what the VA needs. And so, yeah, that would be one thing that that would come into their situation, depending on when they served, what type of hearing protection they had, what type of noise exposure they had, all of that, certainly.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a mess. I mean, talking about protecting your ears and stuff, you know, it's something even I, I think I told you this when we last spoke, it's something that even I don't do well enough. I mean, these AirPods right here, they tell you all the time, Hey, you know, I'll be working out just jamming heavy metal as loud as it goes. And, uh, it's like, Hey, it's time to turn your, your music down. And I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. You know, just keep it loud. And then, uh, I hop in a fire truck and we've got sirens going and, There's just thing after thing after thing. And I've been lucky so far that I haven't had any hearing loss because even before I just completely obliterated my ears with loud music and uh, everything else, you know, I had, I think, six sets of tubes growing up from like the age of two to four or five. You know, it was every six to nine months, my tubes would fall out and then I'd have to get tubes put back in. It's something my children deal with. It's something that I've had to kind of go through with them of having to get tube surgeries. Luckily for them, it's been you know, one surgery and they're good. But hearing health is something that I think is easily neglected unless you're truly going through something that is hard to understand people. It's hard to just do your daily life, you know, or or those that are born deaf or severe hard of hearing issues. I think it's easy for us to just ignore our ears because they're there. They work. I can hear well enough. So, you know, who cares? But when it comes to that ear health, what are some tips and tricks that you could give us as far as, you know, things that we can do to better take care of our ears to not cost ourselves $22,000 in the long run with hearing problems?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So there are some just some simple things that everybody can do. I like that you mentioned, you know, the the headphones. They're certainly popular right now, and there's nothing wrong with listening to music. I love to listen to music too. And if it's a song I like, I want to turn it up so I can hear it, you know, enjoy it too. But that being said, you want to be careful about turning it all the way up. So on an iPhone, there's actually a setting where you can go in and control the maximum output. So if you go under your settings menu, you can turn that slide that bar down to 60 or 70%. That way, even if you crank it all the way up, it's never going to get to a dangerous level. Unfortunately, the devices like phones and other things that are connected to headphones, if you turn them all the way up, you can definitely do some noise damage. In my graduate school program, we brought in students and we would have them turn it up to where they like to listen. And we had a way where we could measure it in their ear to see how loud it was. And it would sometimes get up to like 110 decibels, which is enough to cause you know, instant damage in some cases. And that's just a simple thing that everybody can do. Like you said, you can, you know, save yourself that damage that can eventually cost money, affect your quality of life. So that's just a simple thing that you can do. Another thing that I really recommend is that people at age 50, or before that, obviously, if there's a concern, but at age 50, it's a great idea to just get a hearing test. Because that way, you know whether you have any hearing loss at that point or not. As you mentioned, you know, hearing's not something you think about. It can sneak up on you gradually over time. And then if you know at that age, okay, my hearing is fine, then, you know, just check it again every couple of years or again if you have a concern. But that's just a good way to monitor it. And then you know your risk factors and that sort of thing. And then one other thing that is great if you're kind of nerdy like me and you're in a loud place. There's a free app that you can download on your phone called the NIOSH app, which is N-I-O-S-H. Again, it's free. And that it just gives you a sound reading in your environment. If it's above 80, that tells you, okay, I need to limit my time here so you're not doing damage. Another good rule of thumb, if you have headphones in or you're someplace where it's loud, if there's someone that's an arm's length from you and you can't hear them, it's too loud. If that's loud enough where it can cause damage.
1: Gotcha. What about active noise canceling? Does that help to protect your ears at all?
0: So in a sense, it does. Active noise canceling reduces the amount of background noise that's coming through to you. So you don't need to turn it up to get over that noise. But it's not going to necessarily you know, protect you from hearing damage. If you turn it up too loud, obviously, that's still going to be detrimental for your hearing health. But yeah, so you don't need to turn it up as loud over that background noise with those.
1: Right. I was just wondering if, you know, there's any type of actual protection for your ears from headphones or if they're just there for you to hear, you know, what you want to hear. I do know one interesting thing that just like popped into my head was a lot of people don't realize that when you are wearing earplugs and you go into, for instance, the reason I know this is I was a firearms instructor for quite a long time. And so people would say, all right, well, I'm going to this indoor range and I'm learning how to shoot a handgun or I'm here to test for my license to carry in Texas. And so I'm just going to throw some earplugs in. And then I learned, I think it was probably through that class, they said, hey, there's a lot of things around your ear that also go into learning how to hear and and being able to hear. And uh, if you don't wear over the ear protection, then you could still suffer that hearing damage and hearing loss even though you had earplugs technically inside of your ear.
0: Definitely. So if you're doing something where there's going to be a loud impulse noise, even if it's very brief, firearms can cause a lot of damage, and so you want to wear double hearing protection if you can. So the earplugs and the the muffs, that's great. That just gives you a little more protection. So, you know, when that really loud sound happens, you have something there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously you seem to be a pretty, pretty good expert on this stuff. And, uh, as you say, you're nerdy about it and I appreciate that and respect that, you know, if we're not, then we're not, you know, I say passionate instead of nerdy about it, you know, and if we're not, we're not going to be the expert, but you are the expert because someone like Forbes has brought you on to be on that medical advisory board. So what does that mean? And what can I hear from you? If I want to know more information about this, you know, where can I find you?
0: Yeah. So I'm really honored that they've asked me to join the board. And what I do is I provide recommendations for them on, for example, hearing healthcare products or topics related to hearing healthcare. I review some of their articles. I'm something like a consultant for them on those topics where I'm an expert. And, you know, my name will be coming up also here and there being quoted on certain things in those articles related to hearing loss, tinnitus, dizziness, that sort of thing as well. So yeah, so I'm very excited to be a part of that and to to share good information about my profession.
1: So are you out there in the public right now doing any type of speaking or publishing any of this information you know, for yourself or for others to come and learn from?
0: I do have a blog that I publish things on uh, myself. So that is just my name. That's amysaro.com. I write a lot about hearing healthcare topics there as well as some other topics. And then I also write for the soundly.com, their blog. And then you'll see also I have a bio page on the Forbes advisory board section. So you can read more about my bio there as well as articles that I've reviewed or been part of on there as well.
1: So talking about soundly, I've done some quick looks at the website there and I know that OTC Hearing aids are something that are, you know, it's a project y'all are working on. It's something you're trying to push. What is the difference between OTC and prescription? Because when it came to hearing aids, I always thought that was something you had to go to a doctor, you had to get a prescription, and then you go and you get this little brown, you know, thing that looks like an earplug that sits in your ear. And all I remember is my great grandma, hers would squeal all the time. So just kind of tell us about that stuff and how do I know if I need an over the counter. Hearing aid,
0: definitely. So, with the squealing, luckily in the last couple of years, that's gotten quite a bit better. So, hear, hearing aids have a sort of a protection built into them that that reduces it, um, so that they they don't squeal nowadays nearly as much as they used to in the past. Now, with over-the-counter versus prescription hearing aids, so there's a couple of things to know about it. In general, over-the-counter hearing aids are going to work for somebody who has a mild to moderate hearing loss. And it's going to be symmetric in both ears. So if you have a difference where one ear hears better than the other, you'll want to see a professional about that because you want to rule out any medical conditions that might be going on there. Ideally, that person who's interested in over-the-counter as well, they're going to be comfortable using a smartphone because it's completely a self-fitting process. So you'll need to be able to adjust that on your own, be comfortable with that. And then also being comfortable just putting something into your ear and kind of reading instructions and, and doing all of that yourself. If those are things that you you fit all of those boxes and you're 18 years or older, then that is an affordable way to get some hearing health care. Now, anyone else probably wants to consider something that is prescription level in general I recommend even though it's not required because it, it is over the counter I recommend that everybody get a hearing evaluation first because that way and that's often in cover that's often covered by insurance as well so that just gives you an idea okay first of all do I have mild to moderate hearing loss because if you don't if you have hearing loss but you don't know you want to know am I going to benefit from this and you know as we mentioned it can sneak up on you gradually so if you have more than a moderate hearing loss yeah you'll want to get something that's prescription to to give you the benefit that you need
1: yeah i mean that makes sense i just like i said i always thought that it was something you had to go to a doctor for i never realized so the over the counter stuff is if you have to use a cell phone is that syncing to your phone like through bluetooth
0: yeah it is so that's another thing you know you'll want to at least if you are not comfortable doing the Bluetooth pairing kind of thing, at least if you have maybe a relative or a friend who can help you with that, that that'll be an important piece of it. So you want to be able to pair it there, download that app, and then you'll be adjusting it based on you know the company that's designed the app so that you can get the level of, of volume that you need.
1: Yeah, if my great-grandmother could have even comprehended in the 90s that she would have had to have a phone that she carried all the time in order to plug her Bluetooth, Bluetooth hearing aid in, that would be just crazy. I, I never even thought that technology was going that way. It's just not something I, I look into or think about. That's why I was so excited to have you on the show today because it's like this isn't something I think that a lot of people truly take the time to think about until you're the person that's affected by that. And then when you're the person affected by that, you realize how much of a pain it can truly be. And that's why all those videos that I get sucked into as well of the cochlear implants and that kind of stuff, it's like tears are flowing for those people because we don't think about being blind and not being able to see or or being deaf and not being able to hear like losing one of our senses is such a huge deal. And I mean, I can't imagine what somebody that is in that position would feel like. So do you do any of the stuff like that as far as cochlear implants go or anything, you know, surgical or do you just kind of stick to mainly just, you know, listening or helping people listen to what they can hear, determining what they can or can't hear and then kind of fixing that solution without surgery?
0: Yeah. In my So my current clinical work, I don't directly work with cochlear implants or bone anchored hearing aids. But in the clinic that I you know previously was in, I did those things. And then also at Mayo Clinic in my residency, I did that as well. And yeah, I mean, cochlear implants are really amazing what they can do. And it isn't an instant fix. So I know on those videos, it makes it look really amazing. And, and it certainly is. But it is in a way also like learning a foreign language. So when somebody is learning to hear with a cochlear implant, there's a process that they go through to be able to understand what that sound means that's coming to them in a different way. So it's coming in electrically to them rather than acoustically through their natural ear. And so there is an adjustment process, but people who are who qualify for that and are willing to go through that process, it can just be life-changing, absolutely it's
1: amazing what technology can do. That's so, so I, I didn't know that. I mean, that's, that's so like strange to think about because, you know, once again, it's, it's, it's like trying to put yourself in someone's shoes if they're colorblind, you know, you can't tell what they see. And so I, I can't understand anything except seeing in full color like I do. And, and so same thing for hearing. I can't imagine hearing in any other way, except in acoustic, way where, you know, the sound is traveling in and it just sounds like it does when I talk, you know, and in my own head and those kinds of things. So what does that mean that you're hearing electrically?
0: So what happens is when you have damage to your inner ear, that system, we don't currently, they're working on it right now. We don't currently have that technology where we can revive those hair cells in your inner ear. So what a cochlear implant does is it is inserted into the part that's beyond that, where it's sending the signal directly to your hearing nerve, to the brain. And so we're bypassing the broken part of the system that can't receive that signal and can't understand because of the damage. And we're sending it up to the brain where it can get a much clearer signal. However, as we were just talking about, it is a learning process to be able to kind of decode that signal and understand oh, that's the doorbell or, oh, that's this word, that's this sound. So your brain is kind of remapping how to hear those things because of you know that difference in how it's coming through. But it's absolutely possible to learn that. It just takes some, some patience and, and some practice.
1: Right. So it's not like your traditional sound then. It's just basically, I mean, are they actually hearing something or are they feeling something or how would you explain that?
0: they're hearing something, it's just not clear what the sound is. So the way that I explain it to people is when we turn it on the first time, you know, they're expecting, oh, it's going to be, you know, amazing. And it is amazing that they can hear something when they couldn't hear anything before. But it sometimes sounds like a cartoon voice, or it sounds like Mickey Mouse, or it sounds like a robot. And then over a period of days or weeks, it starts to sound like a human voice and sounds that they kind of remember. So yeah, the brain says, Oh, okay, I know what this is. And then it starts to make sense.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, again, we keep saying the same thing over again. It's not something you think about till you think about it, but it's like, it's so different for them, you know, having lost all of that memory of what things sound like. And then just knowing from a scientific perspective, exactly what it takes, you know, like that you're not, directly just seeing something for instance it's going through these nerves and being decoded by your brain and i guess that you know hearing is kind of the same thing it's like a noise is made and it's going through nerves electrically into your brain and then being decoded and understood and then reproduced to you basically in your conscious of oh yeah okay i recognize what this is or i know that that is a sound or it's just mind-blowing science just never ceases to amaze and move on and, and grow so Are you looking for people to connect with you?
0: Absolutely. I'd love for people to connect with me. Yeah. And they can find me on, as I mentioned, my blog. And I'm happy to reach out or, you know, answer questions for anybody interested in those topics.
1: Got you. On the clinical side, how do these people reach out to be treated by you? Is this, you know, a public thing or are they referred to you by the VA or what do they need to do there?
0: Yeah. In that case, they're referred to me. So in the clinic where I currently work, you know, I work with the veteran population again, and that's all kind of scheduled by people other than, than myself. I'm not really involved in that process, but perhaps if they are, you know, a veteran, I'll be seeing them in the Detroit area.
1: Gotcha. But if they're in the Detroit area, they can, you know, absolutely. If they're being referred to someone, look you up, find you say, Hey, you know what? I enjoyed them on this podcast and I want to book them. Or is it just totally kind of assigned to these people?
0: So they, it would just be a sign and there aren't, there aren't a lot of audiologists in Michigan who do this type of work. So there's a good chance that they're in Michigan that they'll, they'll be seeing me.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. No, that's awesome. Well, I mean, unless you want to throw some things out there about how to connect with you further, I think you've done plenty of that with the website. And uh, it's been an interesting conversation. Definitely learned some things today and I can't thank you enough for being on the show and, Coming on here and telling us some things about audiology.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I was happy to be here.
1: All right. Well, listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Small Business Origins. As always, we appreciate you coming and listening every single week for our new episodes where we feature entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And today's guest, Dr. Amy, just an interesting, unique perspective on working for yourself as well as working for others and serving others as you heard in that very first part you know she's here to help other people and ultimately people with with a heart like that that want to reach out and help others that's what we want to exemplify right here and you tuning in and taking part in these episodes is definitely going to help people like dr amy to get the word out there on what they're trying to do so please go out there and support her visit the website take a look at the information that's coming out And uh, as always, we'll see you on the next episode of Small Business Origins and stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe and share with a friend. Guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it.